Hello and welcome along to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, episode number 51 of an English language podcast exclusively dedicated to the Commonwealth Libertadores, the greatest competition in South American club football. And we're at the final once again. It is an all-Brazilian final between Palmeiras and Flamengo. And myself, David Windsor, and Mr. Oliver Wilson, we talked all things... All things on the continent, really. We talked about the dominance of Brazilian clubs. Uh, we talked about another all-Brazilian final. We picked apart which players might start in the two 11s. We talked about injuries we yeah, and everything in between, history and the coaches, and, and previewed the final, really. It was uh, it was a good little chit-chat, Mr. Wilson. And, and in the end, um, both sides that we backed at the start of the tournament, we'll, we'll dig it out, actually, maybe, uh, and, and find exactly where we did back them. But you backed Palmeiras, I backed Flamengo right at the start of the tournament, and the two teams are in the final. What do you know? Well, it makes it seem like we know what we're talking about, which is wonderful. Uh, compared to any other podcast that I've ever done where anything like putting bets on or making predictions goes terribly. So I might just stick to South American football as the years go down because I think I can kind of nail that pretty much. Um, we, I have to say, we did miss out a couple of things that I forgot completely forgot about until I've just seen it on my phone, which is that Flamengo are going to be without Pedro against Gremio tonight, and there's question marks whether he's going to be able to play in the final, which is interesting. And of course, Gabriel uh, Menino expected to replace the suspended Marcus Rocha for Palmeiras going into the final, which Menino hasn't played that often this Libertadores, but was a key in last year's campaign with over 10, I think it was 12 appearances he had in the end in, in last year's tournament. So there are a couple of things that now you've had these nuggets in the intro, you know what we've missed out on, but we've covered all the other bases going into uh, talking about this final. And I think I started off quite negatively, as I like to do, Windsor. I like to bring it down. And you slowly G'd me up <laughs> into this final that I'm very much now looking forward to on Saturday. Yeah, not often you get team news in the intro of uh, Wilson and Windsor podcast. Have you always had a plant there, Wilson? No, the plant is, is new? new. Yeah, the plant is Mate, new. It's taken me a whole pod of us talking to, <laughs> to, to clock that it's new and it looks really good. And I think if we could combine my exposed brick with that plant, we'd have a hell of a backdrop. I mean, the world is our oyster. Is the ultimate, yeah, but I mean, that's the ultimate podcast backdrop, isn't it? The, the exposed brick and the plant combined. Well, the embarrassing thing that's going to happen on the podcast backdrop for me is that I'm going to put another canvas behind the canvas that I've got behind me, which is great on an audio format explaining this. I have a canvas mm. with some Formula One tracks on from really some other work well, that yeah. I do, but I'm going to put a canvas behind that canvas that is bigger, that is just brick. So it's going to, because I'm jealous of the brickwork, the pocket square of brickwork that you have behind you on your view. So if I can have a slightly bigger bit of brickwork on the white backdrop, but then the white canvas over the top, it might feel like I'm in some sort of uh, Milan townhouse like uh, like yourself. <laughs> you can get wallpaper now that like is incredibly accurate, that looks certainly on a, like a video footage, it looks like exposed brick. That's maybe a little bit trying a little bit too hard. Um, Save right, that for next right, season. Yeah. Save that for next yeah. season's tournament. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the pod. Apila takes it down, takes the strike on, and fires Boca in front. Might be a second one here for Bruno Enrique. Into the bottom corner, double delight on the night for Flamengo. Decisive from 12 yards, and the Brazilians are well and truly in the driving seat now. This is McAllister to go! It took an inflection, but you can't take it away from the debutant. No, I mean, you're allowed an opinion on 
what you think about the dominance of Brazilian football and uh, the state of the two competitions. So, yeah, Oli Mam, far, far, <laughs> far away. Well, I'm just interested to see how many people we're going to have at the Centenario in Montevideo this weekend. Because if you looked mm. at the Comebol Sudamericana final this weekend, just gone, two Brazilian sides, albeit Atletico Paranaense, a bigger side probably than RB Bragantino. But that looked like it was a game still taking place in the middle of a global pandemic with two and a half sides of a stadium shut. I mean, it was just, they over, they overpriced tickets completely out of the general public's hands, it felt like. And people weren't willing to pay all that money to travel and then pay the money, obviously, for the match day ticket. And the whole game suffered completely because of that, because of a lack of atmosphere. You know, we were very lucky that we started covering South American football pre-global pandemic and got to experience really what football atmospheres in South America can be like, arguably their best. You know, you went to the Bombonera in Buenos Aires, you got to experience a full Bombonera and so to have, albeit the sister competition of a continental tournament looking as sparsely populated as it was when it was friends and family were allowed in the previous year when Defensa e Justicia won it, it's a worrying thing. And you just worry, perhaps, I haven't had any seen any updates on ticket sales. Uh, some of that may depend on how well the two sides do this week. I doubt that, but, you know, maybe because they do have games tonight, which is mental going into a major tournament final. But I just, I really hope we get a full stadium and I really hope that they, that the Libertadores perhaps means more to the fans enough that they will turn up. And I really hope that ticket prices come down in the future for these sorts of events because you have to have a full stadium for your gala event. So the tickets, as I understand it, Ollie, were about 100 US, right? Mm. Which, when you compare that to the monthly, the average monthly salary for for your average Brazilian, that is a huge chunk of that pay packet. So, so that's that was obviously a big factor. I mean, like I don't think we can be. Can we be blaming COVID anymore for stuff like that? You know, look at the Premier League; it's moved on. You know, poor atmospheres blaming on COVID. I don't know. Like to, to out to outprice fans from a final feels uh, feels really odd, especially when football fans have missed so many games over the last eighteen months. So, so it's a real shame, as you say. Libertadores, I think, will be a different different kettle of fish because you've got fans that that see it as despite the fact that both of these two clubs have reached <laughs> reached a final very recently in the last couple of years. I still think that the Libertadores is so big that you will get a packed house. Hopefully. And obviously, uh, Flamengo are the richest club, arguably, in Brazil at the moment. So maybe they can provide some subsidies for their fans to be able to get to the games and afford the tickets. I definitely don't think it's COVID that you can blame it on. Because you said yourself right there that 100 US dollars is a huge chunk of the average wage. And, uh, and let's be honest, like there are a lot of football fans around the world that aren't rich. But football isn't necessarily the, where, a sport where the fans are rich, but everybody else involved in the game kind of is so yeah it's it's definitely just been overpriced uh, I, I'm not entirely sure how and why particularly when we're so desperate to get those atmospheres back and and for this weekend especially if we are going to have a final with two Brazilian sides in it you want it to be a final where half of the stadium is red and black and the other half of the stadium is green and white and that will look phenomenal if and hopefully we do get the completely packed house this weekend because that is the one good positive outcome of having these all brazil finals is that hopefully you get that kind of big stage all brazil atmosphere where there's the call and answer from the fans supporters across the uh, across the stadium i mean 
I've been lucky enough to one of the greatest atmospheres I've ever been in was uh, a Milan Juventus Coppa Italia final where it was they, they shut down the tannoy completely it was just Milan fans call one thing Juventus fans answer back add to it Milan fans then answer back add to that and that's what you want from these finals with an all-Brazilian atmosphere. That's, as I say, the positive that could come out of Brazil's dominance of these two tournaments. So I'm just, I am, I know it's a negative thing to start on. It's just a fear. It's still just a fear that this weekend, at least aesthetically, might not look as grandiose potentially as as we were hoping it could look. In, in what is a cracking stadium as well. It's just a cauldron of football down there in Montevideo. Mm. Ollie, you said all Brazilian about nine times, so let's let's go with that for the for the moment before we talk about the individual teams and how they're going to face off and their history and how they got to the final, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How, how big of a problem do you see it as? We've we've talked about the dominance of Brazilian football uh, in the Libertadores. We saw it with the two Brazilian sides in the Sudamericana final. Now two Brazilian sides in the Libertadores final. Now, uh, like it comes down to money, right? Like the Brazilian clubs are the richest, and therefore they buy the best players, have the best squads, and they're going to be represented in finals much more than most. I think traditionally people always saw the the big Buenos Aires clubs as a kind of a puncture to that potential Brazilian dominance. But you look at it now, like you know, the state of Argentina, the, the fact that, that Boca and River just can't financially compete in any way whatsoever with these Brazilian clubs. It's really, really hard to see how Brazil doesn't manage to double down over the next five to 10 years and absolutely wipe the floor with continental competitions. I mean, I can't, I can't see a counter argument to that, really. What's the statue that um, they have in the lobby of the mansion in Scarface where it says like the world is yours or something like that. I mean, this never is never seen Scarface. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Way yeah. off the pop culture references. Well, when you've got some time out there in, uh, in your foreign lands, wherever you are around the globe, David Windsor, sit down or on a plane home, maybe sit down and watch Scarface. I think it's like the world is yours. Just this led banner going around a, a man holding up a globe or something. And that's basically the point that Brazil is at right now in terms of the footballing world in South America. It is theirs for the taking. And if some of these big clubs do what we expect them to do, it, it is going to be that. Now, there, as I say, there are positives and negatives to it. It was interesting, though, that somebody that works in and around with Comibol, um, I was chatting with them over the weekend, and I said, look, the final that we just saw between two Brazilian sides wasn't exactly a thrilling encounter either I think I'd be very fair in, in saying that and their first reply to that was well that's what you get with an all-Brazilian final and that's what we had last year as well in an all-Brazilian final I mean to our disgrace when I said when was the last time we had an all-Brazilian final on our last podcast and it was <laughs> what 12 months ago less than less than 12 it's been months a long ago. 12 months though so I get no but yeah but I get it um it wasn't great to watch, was it, Santos against Palmeiras? You had to be in on the competition and listening to the Wilson and Windsor Libertadores podcast throughout the year to really get some of the nuances and the key points of that game. If you were just a fan dropping in for just a final in the UK and watching the BBC's coverage, you were a bit like, well, what is, what, what is this? This isn't South American continental flair. This is just a bit odd and dry. Yeah, so why is that? I mean, is it because... Losing against a fellow Brazilian side, a club from your nation, would sting so much more that the possibility to lose is so much higher that, that clubs become really defensive and tight and they can't go and express themselves. Where, whereas if Flamengo were taking on 
um, you know, maybe another side outside of Brazil, then perhaps they play with a bit more freedom. I don't know, but that, that's surely an element to it. Like the stakes are a bit high, plus the kind of familiarity, like they know each other a little bit better, perhaps because they play each other in the league and therefore they can kind of neutralize each other's strengths and weaknesses. I don't know, but it does seem to be the case. I don't think it's exclusive to to the Libertadores either, right? I think more or less when you see it in the Champions mm. League, for example, clubs from the same nation playing each other, you do get this kind of stalemate chess match going on rather than a, a kind of freedom of expression. The one counter to that I would have is that Flamengo are the light in many ways, Oli. Like Flamengo are the light in terms of the way they play if they allowed to and if they commit to it is is joyous at times. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, if they went a goal down, for example, and just had to go out and just be Flamengo and just let that front four go, that, then we could see something really exciting. Equally, maybe Palmeiras take a goal lead and, and they shut up shop and Flamengo can't break them down. So I don't know what sequence would result in Flamengo playing as open as they can, but I really hope we see it. From Palmeiras, I just don't expect it as much. I think I've actually got written down here. If Palmeiras are going to win this final, Oli, it'll be 1-0. There's no other scoreline that I think Palmeiras win this final by. Yeah, it's interesting of like, Again, almost this time last year when we were looking at Palmeiras after the first leg against River Plate and the comprehensive counter-attacking football they put on display in Argentina to take that big advantage. And I was kind of cooing about this is what you get when you've got the three behind Luis Adriano and this is how well they can hit on the counter. Devastatingly so. They're very good defensively and solid, but it, it shows they can score goals almost if and when they want to on those counter-attacks. And then we haven't seen it again for pretty much, well, definitely the rest of last year's tournament and then a large part of this tournament as well. And that's more frustrating about Palmeiras is that the potential is there to be on that level entertaining-wise with Flamengo. But they, it just doesn't come to fruition. Uh, and we'll come on to, to reasons for that, I suppose, as we, as we look at both of these two teams a little closer later on. But yeah, I, I, I kind of see it very similar. Palmeiras could, will probably try and shut up shop Flamengo, it depends if they come off the leash or not. As you mentioned, you know, the a Brazilian side playing a non-Brazilian side in the final, I think there's that arrogance. Like we've heard from our good friend Nico, the Boca fan, for instance. Whoever Boca are playing, they expect to win. But the way Boca go out and play, particularly when they play a river plate, is very different to actually the, the same level of confidence that they have when they're taking on other sides that aren't river or big Buenos Aires rivals or, or even Argentinian sides sometimes. And I think that's the same with Brazil in that there's the arrogance of, well, we're Brazilian football, so we can beat anybody outside of Brazilian football. Don't worry about it. Like, we're a great team. We've got all the funds. We've got the best players, all that kind of stuff. And then as soon as we've seen time and time again when Brazilian sides meet each other, it's just a bit limited. Atletico Mineiro did the same thing in the semifinals. We're nowhere near as, as entertaining as they had been during the tournament, played within themselves. And that's been the thing with Brazilian sides since we dropped onto the continent and, and from everybody else we've spoken to, Previously as well, it's been Brazilian sides on the road play within themselves a large chunk and they play within themselves when they're playing each other as well. And it's very disappointing again because you know you know it's there. Is there any chance you think we see like what would have to happen for us to see a you score, we score scenario? I mean, instinctively, I think Flamengo score first and come out really high tempo and Palmeiras have to chase the game maybe and then then it becomes that kind of ding dong. But I just, I, I can't, I mean, I'd love to sort of predict a 4-3 Flamengo win or something like that, but I just can't see it. I think if if, if Palmeiras win, I think it'd be 1-0 and if Flamengo win, I think it, you know, it, it might be sort of 2-1, something like that. I think if, uh, if Palmeiras score first, 
Flamengo have to push and that opens up then the potential for Palmeiras to hit on the counter. And I think if we get a two goal lead, you could see like a 4-3 taking place if Palmeiras have a two goal lead. If if Flamengo are able to equalise or take the lead, then I think Palmeiras' days are numbered. They have to have that little little nose in front. We've got the early goal. We can't afford to sit back for 90 minutes or, you know, depending on how early they score, obviously. But we can't afford to sit in for this whole time. So we have to try and launch and try and get a second and hope that Flamengo overcommit going forward. Because there is there is an ability to hit this Flamengo side in their in their weakened defence, so to speak, to the side that we saw two years ago. You mentioned Atletico Monero there, Oli. I know they're going to go on and win the Brazilian league, but I wonder whether they'll still be pretty frustrated about what happened in that semi-final. You know, the, the league doesn't lie, as everyone always says, and it, it does suggest that Atletico Monero are the best side in Brazil, right, in terms of consistency. And mm. they'll be so frustrated with what happened in the, in the second leg of that semi-final against Palmeiras. And what, what, how important do you think the league form is? So... Atletico Monero currently, that you know, the top of the table. Flamengo in second. The eight points behind with, I think, eight games to go. Bar a kind of massive disaster and massive swing. Atletico Monero going to win the league. Uh, but Flamengo in good form. They've won six from six in the last eight in the league. Uh, unbeaten in those eight. In contrast to Palmeiras, who are further, I think, eight points behind Flamengo. Well off the pace. They've lost their last three in the league. I mean, that's, mm. <laughs> that's not great. Uh, does that matter? Does it have, does it have any impact? I think it does. I think it definitely does because it's such a long period of time we've had between the semi-finals and final. Another thing that Ollie Wilson really dislikes about the setup of the Libertadores this year. Oh, is I agree with that, mate. I agree with that. Seventeen-game gap. That's ridiculous for me because I think the tournament. Sorry to interrupt you. Just the no. fact that it's it's the, the semi-finals were so long ago. The whole point of a tournament is it should kind of roll. Every round should roll into the next. And you should be able to immediately reference what happened in the previous round in the next game, right? And mm. now it's like, I was even thinking back then to the semi-final and I know what happened, but I mean, I have to really kind of wrap my brain a little bit because it was two months ago or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and when you chuck in how busy the domestic league is, it kind of, it separates the, the rest of the tournament from the final in a weird way. And I always think the final should just be a kind of a waved continuation of the whole tournament. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, and also you've got like the, the jubilation of making the final, right? And it's a huge come down. You know, we're all excited, pumped. All right, we know the finalists for the Copa Libertadores. I mean, I've seen, you know, tweets after those semifinals and um, an Instagram post and stuff that were like, it's only seven weeks until the... And it's like, what do you mean it's only seven weeks? This should have been done two weeks after the semifinals or something. Mm. A month I can't think of another maximum. tournament. I can't yeah. think of another tournament that has that, that, that kind of gap. And it's also that I think you should be rewarded. If you play really well in the semifinal, like let's say Flamengo... You know, they beat Barcelona comfortably over two legs. You should be rewarded for that going into the final. As you say, if it's, if it's two weeks later or three weeks later, you've still got that buzz. We've battered whoever in the semi-final and you can take that into the final. I think that should be part of the process rather than, you know, Flamengo weren't in great form when they won the semi-final. I mean, the fact is they're not in great form now, but they could have turned it all around and then it's a totally different proposition. So yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't see any... Listen, you, we can always blame COVID or uh, some, you know global warming or something else for it but like there mm. isn't much excuse i don't think for for having it having such a big gap i mean there's there's things like the um the deiras caeta situation for instance where he plays in that second leg against barcelona he's probably if they have it a couple of weeks later the the obviously he might not have got injured and, and might have been ready for a final now we've got deiras caeta who has been probably 
the best player overall in the tournament for Flamengo this year, who's played a handful of minutes this weekend, coming back off what a nine-game, ten-game injury list. So he starts though. Well, it has to. I, he he doesn't play yeah. a second tonight, for sure against no. Gremio. He, pl- just... he played what eleven minutes last against in Inter. The game yeah. against Inter. Yeah. So then I think he um yeah like he, he just starts, and if you have to bring him off after fifty-five minutes, then you do. But yeah, he's just too crucial. But it's but it's the point is. He, he could have been it. fully fit after that semi-final and ready to go for an, uh, a final, you know, in a, two weeks' time or something like that. And, and as I say, the the situation with the schedule would have been completely different at that point, and maybe the injury doesn't even take place. So it's just, yeah, it's it, it's lost a bit of momentum, I think, going into the final in that in that sense. And but you do have to look at it as a long chunk of time that does matter because who has been able to stay consistently on pretty much top level? For a large part of this uh, 14 games for Palmeiras, I think it's 17 for um, for Flamengo uh, since the semi-final. 17. And it is, and it's Flamengo. They have been consistently at an extraordinary high level, aside from a couple of blips, a couple of losses, I think it is, in that run. Whereas Palmeiras, you look at it, three games lost in a row without scoring. Abel Ferreira, I was running through the team sheets of this Palmeiras side of this run. And don't get me wrong, like it's not, as quick and simple for me to see like but he definitely hasn't played the same starting 11 I don't think in back-to-back games throughout any of this run it's continual rotation you do not know this Palmeiras side still and it's still the thing and I'm sorry to keep harping on about it with Abel Ferreira of not having a consistent team or knowing even half the starting 11 that's going to be playing and in which position going into any of these games let alone a Libertadores final now apparently we're going to find out this evening the likely players that are going to be starting because they're not going to feature any time at all against Atletico Mineiro. That's the talk in the Brazilian press at the moment coming out. The whispers, I think we'd say, in the Brazilian press coming out at the moment around the city. But, okay, that's an indication. But you still don't know. Abel Ferreira could flip it on a dime in a, in a heartbeat of what he decides to do with his team selection. What if somebody has an absolute blinder against Atletico Mineiro and he's like, oh, God, Luis Adriano scores a hat-trick this week. I can't not play him going into the final. And and you probably can't if somebody has an absolute scorcher this this evening, you you they deserve a place to be on that pitch in the going into the final. But yeah, it's just inconsistency, and that's shown in the results as well, massively. We've been a little bit not harsh on Palmeiras, we're just saying it as we see it. But yet they're ninety minutes away from back to back Libertadores triumphs, right? Uh, you know, having not mm. won it, since, they've only won it once uh, in nineteen ninety nine prior to twenty twenty, and then the fact that they could, you know. Uh, win it in back-to-back years for the first time since Boca did it in 2001 would just be like you'd have to be like wow that's that's amazing so I mean this is how this is how the top end of sport goes you're always one game away from massive success or oh you know you're going in the wrong direction as a football club so that's just how it works but the fact that if Palmeiras by hook or by crook somehow uh, that might be a bit un- unkind on them but if they could no, if no, they no. could get it do you know what I mean though yeah, if yeah. Get, if they could get the win, it's like, oh my god, they've defended the trophy for no one's done that in Jesus in twenty years, and they've done it. But you look at, but look at the run in at this point. If we're going into direct comparisons of these two teams, you know, Flamengo have won their last five in the competition. Twice they've scored four goals. Once they've scored five goals and two two nil victories in the semi final. They won uh, six in a row actually going into this with the uh, victory against Defensor Justicia as well. Whereas uh, Palmeiras have drawn three in four. And I don't think they've scored... they scored three against Sao Paulo, but mm-hmm. everything else has been like ones, twos, ones in terms of their score sheet, aside from the uh, uh, the group stage kind of finishing. I mean, it's just not pretty reading. 
the best thing that they, that they have that we've touched on already for Palmeiras is defensively solid as a rock. They, they don't concede many goals, but we continue to coo about the attacking quality of Flamengo and it depends what you buy into. Do you buy into defensive organisation being able to smother any strike force? As we saw in the last final that Flamengo were in for 92 minutes, that River were able to snuff out that wonderful dynamic attack. And I think there are lessons that can be learned from the organisation and structure of Marcelo Gachado's side that if I'm Abel Ferreira, I'm running that tape over and over mm. and over again mm. going into this. Or do you believe yeah, because... that they're, they're all firing and all conquering Flamengo? I think the front four are going to de decide the final for Flamengo. I just think they're that good. I think, you know, we, we talked so much about how good Bruno Enrique and Gabi Gol were in 2019. I mean, Gabi Gol scored nine goals in 2019. He's already got 10 this year. Bruno Enrique scored five goals in 2019. He's already got six this year. Mm. You know, so they, they, they've already, their level is statistically at least better than it was in 2019. And I just think their Escaeta's fitness, of course, will be, it'll be a concern, but I can't see any way that he doesn't start. Uh, and then you chuck in Everton Hibero as well. And I just think that front four, they're such a joy. And yes, we could talk about the, the frailties of David Luiz or the fact that Flamengo's two fullbacks can definitely be got at. But I think you have to, like, as a romantic, you have to just look at that Flamengo side and, and just think that front four surely are going to decide this final. I think you're probably right. I think I think the Deirazqueta situation, I, I'm not necessarily so sure it is as completely clear-cut in terms of, like, he probably does start. But, look, you've, you haven't played. You've played 11 minutes in mm. two months. Like, fitness levels, match sharpness alone mm. are going to be well off. Which, which isn't great for a man that's been pulling the strings for a large part of time. The fortuitous thing is that they do have Bruno Iniki who can play an equally wonderful creative role, albeit from a slightly different position in that front line for Flamengo, mm. which is still golden then for, for Gabby Goal. And of course, we've seen Gabby Goal, the unselfish playmaker, as you called him yourself, David Windsor this year, the other side of the man who has grown up from his horror show in Serie A and the, the arrogance of the centre forward to become a humble uh, man that still doesn't celebrate when other teammates score and stuff like that. But, you know, we'll leave that aside for a moment. Tries to steal his teammates' goals. Gabby but goal assist in the final. That's one prediction from me. Gabby goal assist in the final. I'm not even saying he's scoring. I'm just saying Gabby goal assist. Okay, what about it's the it's one apiece, right? Mm. It's the 93rd minute. Gabby goal finds himself through right-hand side of the 18-yard box. He's got Bruno Iniki alongside him on side. Keepers closing down Gabby goal. Does he shoot himself or does he square it? Squares it. You and I really believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do believe that. Yeah. Okay. He, he's great. You know, all jokes aside, I do think he's more complete than he was in 2019. And I think he's... He, he, also, the 2019 final was the Gabby goal final. It always will be. He's got that to his name. Mm. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't... I actually don't think he has anything to prove, really. He's the best number nine on the continent, full stop. You know, if he wants to go to Europe, he can. If he wants to create a legacy with Flamengo, he can. Like, what an amazing position to be in. And... Uh, yeah, he, he's got nothing to prove to Flamengo fans or anyone. So, so yeah, I think he's unselfish. Before I forget, because I've got this written down, Oli, did you see the video of the Flamengo fan? Obviously, the um, Flamengo uh, departed and they were on their team bus. And I don't know whether you saw the video of the fan gets on top of the team bus and there's like a window on top of the bus and he like gets his head like through the window. Oh my and some God. of the players from inside the bus have got like their obviously iPhone footage of just like this Flamengo fan's head inside the bus screaming like, 
Gabigol and loads of other stuff in Portuguese, in Brazilian, which I don't understand, obviously. But he was just like screaming because he's like just his head had squeezed <laughs> in. It was just wild. And I was I like, can't, yeah, okay, I can't wait for that fan to test positive for COVID-19. The whole bus <laughs> is out. It's the Flamengo reserves against Palmeiras that have to play on Saturday. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, who's going to win it? Well, I wanted to ask you about the two bosses quickly as well. Sure. Because Abel Ferreira is in a pretty comfortable position right now. Don't you think? Like, probably far more comfortable than his opposite number in the dugout. Like, Abel Ferreira doesn't really need to do... Getting back to a final two years in a row is good enough if you won it the previous year. Mm -hmm. I know fans in the moment don't necessarily see it in that same light or anything, but I do think that Abel Ferreira can probably rest on his laurels slightly. He'll want to win it, no doubt. But if he doesn't, hey, we won it last year. We're back to the final again. Repeating is very difficult. The lines are very easy. Whereas, do you not think Renato Gaucho is under a lot more pressure as a man that is renowned for high levels of consistent success in the Copa Libertadores and at the helm of what is considered the best side on the continent right now? Do you think there is a, well, if you don't win it, you actually might, I mean, he's only been there what, a handful of months or whatever, but if you don't win it, there's more trouble for you than there is for Abel Ferreira. Yeah, I don't think either coach loses their job if they lose the final. That's clearly without knowing the inner workings of, of these two football clubs. But I don't, I don't think that either coach loses their job because Abba Ferreira, as you say, like he's, he's already won... Uh, you know, he's won the Libertadores with Palmeiras, you know, great success. They'll probably finish third in the league. And for Renato Gaucho, I think that, let's say, Flamengo had a bad day and didn't win it. I think it'd be really disappointing, as you say, for a, for a coach who's got such incredible success in the tournament. But Flamengo will probably finish second in the league, reach the final of the Libertadores. I think Renato Gaucho's got so much in the bank, not at Flamengo, but just as a coach on the continent, mm. that I think Flamengo would be silly to get rid of someone that's obviously a top coach, right? So I don't actually think either manager would lose their job. But I do not do understand that if Palmeiras lose, Abba Ferreira could probably shrug it off a lot more easily than Renato Gaucho. Uh, because, yeah, because it's the best. It's, he's got the best squad. He's got the, the most exciting eleven. Because, I mean, his records, you know, he won it as a player with Gremio, won as a coach with Gremio, all those semi-finals. Now he's taken Flamengo to the final, albeit he came in halfway through the, halfway through the tournament. So I don't think either coach loses their job, but I totally, I totally do agree that um, this would sting Renato Gaucho if he lost this final. Also, do you think Renato Gaucho's success, previous success and knowledge of just Libertadores in general gives him an upper hand at all in terms of confidence, in terms of being able to deal with the situation? Because... Again, you know, Abel Ferreira was dropped in last year, won it, great, did it. But there's a difference between having done it for one year. Look, Roberto Di Matteo mm -hmm. did that with Chelsea and hasn't really done much else as a football manager, you know, after the Champions League success. Whereas being the Renato Gaucho, I would say the Brazilian football Alex Ferguson, arguably. You know, Love it. consistent Love success, it. high level, yeah. although has done it at multiple clubs. Fergie never had to do that, but nobody really questioned that, I don't think. But, uh -huh. but yeah, I mean... That level of success does it does it give any sort of advantage in the in the managerial situation going into this game? Do you think? Probably not. I don't think in a one-off game like this. Um, what about this though? If Flamengo do win it, how what's Renato Gaucho's stock? I mean, how high is it? I mean, it's strong. Pretty, pretty, pretty high, right? Very strong. Like, as in he, yeah. Especially when you look at what Gremio did this year in terms of 
didn't get anywhere near even the the Sudamericana final. You know, that was a very disappointing after five incredible opening group games and then just dropped off the face of the planet. And people will look and go, well, Renato Gaucho steps away from Gremio and suddenly they're not doing anything. He goes to Flamengo and he wins the Libertadores once more. Now it's an easier position than other managers have perhaps done it from. Um, you could argue Jorge Jesus probably did a better job when he won it with Flamengo because that was a side that wasn't on the level and you, it was quite clear that Jorge Jesus took them to another level uh, that year when they won it two years ago. Whereas Renato Gaucho has inherited a, a team and a front line that definitely already has that level. But it's, yeah, I mean, up there with Gachado? As strong? Maybe I, even I stronger? So. I don't know. I it's so, a difficult yeah. one to judge. No, no, I think so. I, mean, I don't think he would get looked at for European jobs the way Gachado would. Because he's 15, 20 years older? Yeah, I think the lack of uh, youth in him people might not take look the pun. young does he was Gashado no. looks young i don't know you, you think yeah I, I do agree with that i think that very similar but not very similar but quite similar in the way that they want it as a player want it as a um, want it as a coach as well i think yeah is Gashado staying at river what's going on like surely not his contracts come know. to an end how is this saga still going just leave just leave now like you've done it yeah just leave god can you imagine him walking into the united job Uh, no, I mean, he's not, he's not going to be offered if that. you want the Argentinian Conte, hmm. which mate, again, a bigger Gashado fan than me, but he's not, I think just because of what's happened, you know, after 2019, if it had walked away then, then I think, yeah, he was, he could have gone to one of those clubs, but you know, what's happened since then, even though they're going to win the league or have they won the league? I can't, I can't remember. Not off the top of my head. But, uh, not with no, no, it's all like, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. That's, that's a different debate for a different day. All right, who's going to win the final? It's on gonna, Saturday, I'm... by the way, if, for anyone who's not, uh, not a fan, it's on Saturday. Do you know the kickoff time? Eight o'clock GMT. Eight o'clock GMT, okay. Yeah, no, on the doors. So uh, should be able to get home from work and get it on as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think anybody's showing it in the UK. Really? BBC aren't showing it? Not they haven't done the semi-finals. I don't think I haven't seen anything about them doing the final. They must have been stung by <laughs> the abomination of last year's final. I was chatting with Stephen Wyeth, who covered that um, tournament the other week, and I was like, "Are you going to be doing it again? Like, are you going to get to do the BBC thing?" And he was like, "I have no idea." I was like, "Wouldn't you kind of like to?" Though? He was like, "I'd love to." Like, oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, good commentator. Yeah, yeah he really, he really appreciated the effort we put in in breaking down stuff as well. So shout outs to Stephen. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a good man. I'll write that. I'm gonna go with Palmeiras. I'm gonna I'm gonna take like it's not gonna be back pretty. Them at the start. You back them at the start, Oli. Yeah, I mean I've already cashed out on them as well though. <laughs> I really wimped out on that one. I was I don't trust it enough. I'm not as confident as I was when I put that bet on, but I um I will I'll stick with the green. I'll say Palmeiras do it. It won't be pretty. It won't be fancy. It the trouble is I could see it either being a demolition or a dirty grind. And the way the Libertadores finals have gone in the last two years, you know, the excitement of that Flamengo victory against River really papered over the cracks of what was a pretty dire. And and they're still getting used to 90-minute finals as well. That's the other thing we've got to mention is that there's no second chance. That leads another element of fear into these uh, one-off finals that they've introduced in the last two seasons and this being the third one. So uh, that might favour Palmeiras that are just better at being able to grind out a horrible result. So yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Palmeiras one 0 victory. 
I mean, I backed Flamengo at the start of the tournament. I'm not claiming that's a radical thing to do because they, you know, quite obviously one of the favourites at the start of the whole tournament. But uh, yeah, I backed them at the start. I, I always thought they had the best squad, the best 11. Now I think they've got the best coach on the continent. I, I don't see how... Um, well, I can see a way they don't win this because Palmeiras are the, the defending champions. And as you say, they can, they can, they can carve out a 1-0 win. But I think Flamengo go. I think they play. I think, uh, I think the front four excel. And I think they win uh, comfortably. All right, Windsor, before we get out of here, we do have to hear from our resident Flamengo and Palmeiras fans, Pedro and Christian Bengston joining us. Uh, let's hear from Pedro first, our Flamengo fan, talking about his thoughts going into the final. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me back on your podcast. Um, and thank you, Flamengo, for being on the final so I can be back on your podcast. Uh, really, really excited for Saturday. Uh, I think it's going to be a great one. I think it's definitely going to be better than last season, that's for sure. Not that, you know, not that that's going to be hard to beat. But I think um, you know, both Flamengo and Palmeiras are attacking teams. Uh, they have some really good players on each side. And I'd be very surprised if we don't have a couple of goals on this final. I'd be very, very surprised. Um, not just because I'm a Flamengo fan, but I, I do think that, you know, if I were to compare the starting 11 or what I think is going to be the starting 11 from both sides, I'd probably say that, you know, uh, in terms of the individual player, Flamengo, or perhaps the... Uh, yeah, I'd say Flamengo are the favorites. Not sure you guys are going to agree with me. What do you think? But still, I mean... I think Palmeiras are a very, very strong side. And, you know, we've had some cracking games with Palmeiras throughout this season. And I'll be very surprised if it's not going to be the same for the final. But, you know, as a fan since the uh, late 90s, it's unbelievable to see Flamengo, you know, back at a final, back at a Libertadores final. Um, I, I'm living the dream as a Flamengo fan to be able to see since 2019 what this team is doing, what this team is producing. There's obviously been a couple of ups and downs uh, since Jorge Jesus left. We haven't really kind of presented the same football or the, even the same mentality as what we did with Jesus. But, you know, uh, these things take time. Uh, there's a lot of adapting and even though I think Renato Gaúcho hasn't made all the best decisions throughout the season or since he joined Flamengo, um, I still back him and I still definitely think that um, I think we're going to take this one. I think we're going to win this one. Could be wrong, though. Um, you know, don't want, don't want to get too cocky now. Um, anyway, hope it's going to be a great final, guys, and uh, looking forward to seeing your analysis on it. Right, so... Um... The last couple of months have been a real roller coaster for Palmeiras supporters. I mean, if we go back six weeks in time, basically everyone was saying that Flamengo will bag the Libertadores title because Palmeiras was in a really dry spell, five consecutive games without winning. And then something changed. Uh, five consecutive victories, a streak that ended uh, early in the second week of November. Uh, and then since then, three consecutive defeats and the fourth is very likely coming tonight uh, Tuesday against Atletico Mineiro so uh, this up and down has been fairly stressful for many supporters uh, but our coach Abel Ferreira is cool um, he has a plan and he follows it um, basically uh, the Brazilian league the Brasileirão that was aborted 
some time ago. Atletico is simply too consistent and will not allow the, the gap to close. So uh, basically, Abel couldn't care less uh, about the championship, um, not even derbies. I mean, um, two weeks ago, we played relegation-threatened arch-enemy arch Sao Paulo, and he fielded the, the B-side, you know, the bench warmers. Uh, and uh, Palmeiras lost, and he has been receiving a lot of criticism, but he is simply not there for it. He, he has locked his targets on the Libertadores. He has his 11 picked out, and he will make sure that those men arrive in best possible conditions come Saturday. Um, yeah, so what are we going to see being fielded on Saturday? I'd say, well, Marcos Rocha is suspended, um, the left... Um, the right defender. And um, Gabriel Menino has not been convincing. Uh, so Mikey, uh, recovered from a knee injury, is, I'd say, the most likely uh, person to be in the starter for Palmeiras on that position. So basically, we're looking at, um, I'd say, no big surprises. Uh, Weverton in goal. Mikey um, and Piqueres taking the two flanks um, with Gustavo Gomez and Luan in the center lock. Midfield with uh, Danilo and Zé Rafael. I think those are the strongest cards. Uh, and on the more creative side, uh, Rafael Vega and Gustavo Scarpa. Gustavo Scarpa. Uh, let's see if Abel de facto goes for those two more creative midfielders. They're not very strong defensively, but uh, and he said before that he doesn't really want to play them together, but he has been doing that and to some success uh, as of late. So I think we'll see Rafael Vega and Gustavo Scarpa together in the starting 11 uh, with Dudu, of course, and uh, Honi up front. So um, that is the team that will take on a Flamengo that is still the favorite, uh, at least so the bookkeepers we'll have you know, but um, yeah, we're looking at Palmeiras' third Libertadores Cup title, coming this Saturday on the 27th. Stay tuned! <laughs>